0: And yeah, welcome to the Pastor's Cut podcast for the week. You're to <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: edit that. Go ahead and try it
0: again. No, no, let's keep, let's keep it. I wanna
1: I wanna be honest with it. <laughs>
0: welcome to the Pastors Cut Podcast for the week of July thirty first. And I don't know what voice I'm doing. Two thousand twenty two. Welcome. Uh we are gonna have a little bit of banter here, but I was just I was just listening to Brad's groovy song and a little fact came to mind. <laughs> Uh, like a Good Neighbor, State Farmers There. Y'all know that little jingle? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah? Do you know who wrote that little jingle?
2: No.
1: Barry Manilow?
0: Barry Manilow. <laughs> wow. Brad, Brad, you are the Barry Manilow of First Baptist Tulsa.
1: Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> He's
2: a <that>, successful musician. <laughs> successful.
0: I write the songs and make, you know, there you go. You write the songs and you're working Vegas these days, baby. So, hey, just before we came on, we hit record. We said, let's talk about heat. I don't know why that came to mind. Why did that come to mind? Because we can
2: think of nothing else.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> I hear a lot of complaints about it. I'm I'm thinking, man, it's still relatively cool. I I, I turn on the, the the cold water. This says the Phoenician, by the way. <laughs> I, turns on the cold water and the tap, and cold water is actually cold. It's not hot. Mm-hmm. I walk outside at sunset or shortly after sunset and it's actually cool outside you can feel a cool breeze it's not 115 degrees at 10 o'clock at night but now
0: you're coming from arizona i'm coming
1: from phoenix arizona where it averages 30 to 50 days above 110 every summer and it averages 130 to 150 days above 100 Yeah, well, you
2: willingly chose to live in a desert. We did not.
1: (laughs) I didn't choose for the first 18 years
2: of my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: After that point, I did willingly (laughs) choose. You were born into it. So, so Marissa, did did the Pacific Northwest prepare you for the heat?
2: Um, No. We didn't even have air conditioning growing up. So on those yep. few days that it was, it's kind of like in, what's going on in England right now where they're complaining about 86 oh, degrees. and <laughs> That's right. Um, but we would go down into the basement or we'd go to the movies or go to the mall on those hot days. But, uh, But yeah, no, didn't prepare me for... Oklahoma.
0: Well, I actually I want to be booed from this podcast, but I I love the heat. Mm-hmm. Now, not when it gets to be 108. I don't thrive on that, but I actually go running in the hottest part of the afternoon. So, I'll I'll run today. I'll do 3 to 4 miles. Talked to a physician last night. He said, "Actually, you build up a tolerance for that." Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if you know, if you were to do that for your first time, go out running in 108, probably not a good idea, but I've been running outside all summer and I love a full sweat running 45 minutes that that to me is a great workout
2: yeah the worst thing about this is coming in and out of the ac because we've got it about like 65 degrees (laughs) in the office (laughs) and then you go outside and that's what kills you is going back and forth from that
1: that's good grounds (laughs) for a summer cold and every summer in phoenix i could count on one for the same reason yeah yeah
0: Well, please stay safe, Um, and if you have no other place to go, just come hang out at the church on Wednesdays, come hang out at the cafe. It's 65 degrees. (laughs) It's 65 degrees here. Um, Yeah, so please stay safe and take advantage of cooling stations, and and those of you who are connected with older members of our congregation, Mm -hmm. be a good time just to do some checking up on them. Okay, so here we go, Pastor's Cut for July 31st. Uh, We're in Joshua chapter 22, continuing our series on good and angry. Uh, anger is the injustice emotion or the unfairness emotion. And the point of this message um, this week, and we're going to do a lot of historical background here, and we're going to take this passage in chunks. I'm going to kind of give you my sermonic outline. Is sermonic a word?
1: I like it. We I, just made it. It's in. <laughs>
0: sermonic, TM. I want to give you my sermonic outline, but there's a lot of history to this. But the bottom line is if I were to give one big application, before you get angry... Make sure you have the full story.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that's a great teaching for our time uh, with our social media addictions. That hey, sometimes we just get part of a story and it says, "That, that can't be right. I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, when that indignation kicks in, just say, you know what? I need to make sure I have the whole story first. There you go. That's it. We're done. I love
2: it. Boom. We're love it. Okay. <laughs> All right, so
0: so let's back up here. I want to handle um, I want to handle this in four parts. Uh, and, Marissa, I'm going to ask you to read verses 10, 11, and 12 here in just a minute sure. of Joshua 22. Um, what happens here, this is as uh, the Israelites are going into the Promised Land. Uh, there are a couple of tribes. Um, I believe it's the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh getting ready to cross the Jordan, and they go, you know, this land here on the east side of the Jordan, this actually fits for us. We Mm -hmm. raise cattle. This is good property. Can we just stay here and own this land? Uh, Moses says yes, uh, but he says, but you've got to cross over to the western side of the Jordan, and you've got to help your brother tribes conquer their land. Once that's happened, then you can return back to the eastern side. Now that's exactly what happens. Um, They leave all their cattle, their kids, on the eastern side of the Jordan, they cross over, they help, at least in the most part, can't uh, capture the Holy Land. Now they're returning back home. Uh, They've kept their part of the bargain, and now Joshua, who's now the leader, says, you may go and take possession of this land. So we have the crisis that develops from this, and it's a misunderstanding. So Marissa, why don't you go ahead and read verses 10, 11, and
2: 12. When they came to Gilileth, near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan and Gilaloth near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them.
0: Okay. So, Marissa, what's the problem here? Why does this produce a crisis?
2: Well, worship of God was to happen at Shiloh. So, the when they and it, I'm sure you'll emphasize this when you start talking about it, but Maybe. they heard <laughs> that this altar had gone up. It was this giant imposing altar. And so uh, the Israelite tribes assumed that, uh, that, one, they were building it on the Israelite side, um, so that was infringing upon their borders, Uh, Two, uh, that they would have the audacity to build an altar when they knew that right worship happened at Shiloh. So that meant they were already slipping away from the commands that Joshua had just told them to remember. And then three, were they even worshiping the true God anyway? Was this an altar to the idols? Were they slipping so far from their faith that they were going towards other gods? Were they even worshiping God in the first place?
0: Right, this would be interpreted... As out and out disobedience to what God has said that you are to worship in one place and here you're setting up your own place over here and and not only that but it would be fracturing the unity it'd be a, a posturing of disunity of God's people and so that said about this crisis and you're right that word heard they heard Boy, rumors start you know rumors worked back in that day too mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Dave Dave what do you have here concerning this crisis
1: it is a, a wonderful case of, of hearing a rumor and quickly jumping on it to make a, a, a judgment call, rallying people together to a cause and getting a bunch of people angry in a hurry. <laughs> um, I, one of the first things that, that keeps coming to mind is, as we're, we're talking around this, a few years ago, there was an article in Washington Post. Somebody took a picture of a young man wearing a MAGA hat in the Lincoln Memorial right next to a bunch of Native Americans, and they tried to pose it as, as he and his friends were trying to pick a fight, and they wrote an article about it. Well, it turns out the kid actually wanted to listen and be respectful, and so the kid ended up suing Washington Post, won, and all because of, of quick to judgment without actually taking time to ask questions or figure out the full story.
0: That's right, and and sometimes we're bad about that, and it's funny you should mention a picture because in the uh, in the Teaching, I'm going to do that morning. I'm going to use a picture from the civil rights movement. Mm. And it's a picture that um, Malcolm Gladwell has done a workup on that it's interesting. You, I was you hoping
2: s- you'd mention Gladwell.
0: Oh. I, I love mm. I love Malcolm. <laughs> you know, I listen to his podcast. I hope he listens to our podcast. I bet he
2: does. You think so? Hi, Malcolm. We should, yeah.
1: we should do a social media hashtag just to, to cross-tag right. each other and see what happens.
0: Ha- hashtag <laughs> welcome Malcolm. Um, so, so there's this one picture of a civil rights um during the Civil Rights Movement that an officer is painted in a really bad light, but that's not actually what's happening at all. They just have one snapshot, Um, and it's just so easy. Now, if if that picture were to happen today, that officer's life would have been ruined because of that one snapshot, but this took place back in the 60s before social media and and all that. So it's so easy to jump to conclusions. And again, the point, make sure you know the whole story find out for yourself okay so then we go from the crisis to the confrontation and so Dave would you read verses 13 through 20 now that there's this imposing altar Um, by the way people have been arguing over statues for a long time here we are same same thing Uh, verse 13 through 20 uh, let's see
1: how the confrontation plays out good comparison so here we go verse 13. So the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. When they went to Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, The whole assembly of the Lord says, How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build for yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land. Where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us, but do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves, other than the altar of the Lord our God. When Achan, son of Zerah, was unfaithful in regard to the devoted things, did not wrath come upon the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sin.
0: Okay, so here we have the confrontation that takes place that some and I think this is some really good stuff here in terms of before jumping to conclusions, and most people already had, before going to war, we need to send some trusted people to these tribes and find out exactly what is going on, mm-hmm. okay? So I think there's some, there's some good teaching here about, you know what, if you want the whole story, you probably need to tap into some people that you trust. Just don't rely on rumors. I'm going to talk about social media again. Why would, I, why would I listen to an anonymous source that I have no idea who they are, what their agenda is. I need to find people I can trust that can give me the best information to to find out for myself and to hear the whole story. Uh, So what do you all got uh, regarding this, regarding the confrontation? Good, bad, and ugly.
2: Well, the Israelites' readiness to fight um, the tribes of Gilead shows that they had great courage uh, to confront um, anyone, even brothers, even people that they had fought with on behalf of God's holiness. But I also think that there was a little bit too much of a readiness to fight. Like they were just looking for an excuse, looking for a misstep or a flaw within Gilead to, to jump at battle. Um, and despite this, the, the common history that they had, their common God, um, their common service together and obedience to God, because, you know, they were very faithful, the tribes of Gilead. Um, they were very obedient to, to fulfill the promise they had made to Moses and to God to help them capture the promised land before they went back to their own inheritance. And Joshua had blessed them and called them faithful. Um, but they were just waiting, the tribes of Israel, maybe this entire time they had fought together for them to show their quote-unquote true colors Um, and so they were jumping at the chance to fight and thank God for Phineas, this wise leader who both had a heart after God's righteousness, but also a heart of God's love that he was willing to listen to them and kind of calm the drums of war to find out what was really going on.
0: Oh, I like that. Calm the drums of war. That's nice. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You're going, Dave, what do you got?
1: Dude, I I love that Phineas was quick to get a handful of people, not get an entire army, and go and ask some questions, and just ask what was going on. And just the, the speech is ripe with, with history, as they're reminding Israel, don't forget there was this guy Balaam, son of Peor, and he did some crazy stuff, and, and he followed God, but he wasn't really obedient to God. And then Achan is another recent memory that we have, where we went to conquer the promised land not too long ago, but because he didn't obey God, there were major problems for all of us. We should obey God and not, not obey God. So, what's going on here? Yeah, it's,
0: he spells out some consequences. Disobedience has consequences that come with that. So he's he's pleading a little bit, maybe for the souls of, of these three tribes. Uh, what I also like here, the, the writer, um, whether it's Joshua, you know, we're not told exactly who wrote the book of Joshua. Um, he kind of sets the reader up. The first time you read this story, I think is a teaching opportunity as well. Because if I'm reading this story for the first time as an Israelite, I want to go to war now. Hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. okay, these people are are disobeying. They built this imposing altar. But then once you get the whole story at the end, which we'll come to here in a bit, it's like, oh, okay, it's easy to jump to conclusions. Mm -hmm. It's harder to hear the whole story and to find out for yourself. Okay. So we've dealt with the crisis, the confrontation. Now it's going to be uh, some clarification is given. I like illiterating on this. Isn't this great? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to read verses 21 uh, through 29. So here's um, the clarification of what's happened. Then Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans clans of Israel, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, they repeat this phrase this is an oath they're taking. He knows, he knows our hearts, and let Israel know. If this had been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, Do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to offer sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us into account. No. We did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to our descendants, What do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, Reubenites and Gadites. You have no share in the Lord, so your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and between the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at His sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifice, and fellowship offerings, Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And we said, if they ever say this to us or to our descendants, we will answer, look at the replica of the Lord's altar, which our ancestors built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, like the third time he says this, not for burnt offerings, not sacrifices, but as a witness. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord, to turn away from Him today by building an altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, sacrifices, other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. I didn't realize this until reading it out loud. They say three or four times here, this is not for yeah. sacrifices. Just in case you yeah.
2: misheard again. <laughs> yeah, let
0: me let me repeat myself. Yeah. Oh, and let me repeat what I just yeah, repeated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they make it crystal clear, and you kind of sense um, this sigh of relief from the clarification. So they're not building this altar uh, you, know, you know what I was thinking of as I read this is the uh, infant of Prague. Did, did that come to mind for anybody else? Mm. Do you all know what that is? Yeah. yeah. What is it, Marissa?
2: Well, I don't know if I can... I just know it from living in Oklahoma in Shawnee where the, where it's the infant of Prague. Prague, that's right. But there is <laughs> the infant of Prague. in that. Thank you. Yeah.
0: But there is an infant of Prague. <laughs> so there's a shrine in Prague uh, across the pond to the infant Jesus. All right. But there's a replica of that shrine in Prague. Okay? So it's not actually a shrine, it's a replica of yeah. the shrine. They also
2: have replicas of kolaches which are not Oh. I don't no. want to malign the people of Prague, but the kolaches that they have there are not Well, let's not, not talk the about greatest. the replicas of
0: kolaches. <laughs> what's the What's your favorite kolachi? Uh
2: like a like a cheese, like a No. Yeah, no. it's
0: good. Apple kolaches are the best. Yeah, it's
2: pretty good too.
1: Yeah. Okay, so, so here I've this is... I've never had these apple kolache. Okay. We'll take you to Prague. I've had, I've had one kolache, and I actually never stopped in West when I was in Waco to have the kolaches okay. at the check stop.
0: She'll take you to Prague, I'll take you to Prague. Hey, sweet!
2: Yeah. <laughs> Mine's cheaper, though. I'm, I still it's yeah. a good, good <laughs> side of the deal.
0: <laughs> so, so there's a, a, a replica of the altar in Prague of the one that's in Prague. Uh, so there's a replica altar that's set up here. And it's not for sacrifices, it's to resemble the altar at Shiloh, to say there's a connection here between the people on the west and the people on the east side of the Jordan. So what what are y'all reflecting on here?
1: I think their fear was was real and legitimate. We can look back at the New Testament in particular, and we can see there was a clear dividing line between the Samaritans and the Jews that were originally part of the original 12 tribes, but because of history and because of previous empires conquering them before, Judah was conquered. They were not really allowed to go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple because they were somehow defiled, they weren't pure Israelites, their lineage wasn't directly descended from the people of Israel. They had, had some some mixture going on there and so there's legitimate concerns that that they're saying, we don't want to be left out, we don't want to be excluded.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think it's really tragic too that man, they built this altar to remind both sides of the Jordan of their commonality and mutuality. But did they even imagine that they'd have to prove their witness so soon? Um, and like this was for <laughs> yeah. for coming generations, but I don't know what the timeline is like. But this was very quickly on the heels of their returning to Gilead that it's like, oh, we need to defend our, our mutuality very quickly. So there's a tragedy there. And it's really, really familiar. Um, I mean, we just think about all the denominational uh, differences that we have. And and I cannot think of a single denominational split that's like happy where they're sending their brethren into the sunset saying, God yeah. bless you, we'll still work together. No, it's always <laughs> angry and divisive and painful for the people left mm-hmm. behind. And it always hurts the larger witness of the body of Christ. Um, so I, I think there's so much to learn about our own interactions between the body of Christ now when we look at these children of God back then?
0: Yeah, so there's some great practical application. And by the way, the last part of this, you know, there was the, the crisis and the confrontation and the clarification, and then there's a return to calm. And we won't take the time to read that, but at verses 30 through 34, they, they all realize, okay, this has been a misunderstanding. Calm prevails. They praise God And I love the phrase, they talk of making war no more. Mm -hmm. And they actually named the altar uh, in verse 34. It's called a witness between us that the Lord is God. And uh, what a witness Christians could be if we just practice some very simple things. Don't rely on rumors. When you do hear something that might be true, check it out for yourself. Uh, Make sure you have the whole story. Make sure you have the correct story from trusted sources. And I think it's always good to remember... We are terrible mind readers hmm. that uh, when somebody else does something that we don't understand, uh, and, I, and this is me too, I go, well, I know why they did that. And I, I, I'm too quick to think somebody is just evil or, or ignorant. Right. And maybe if I knew what they knew, I would have done the same thing. Now, sometimes people do some crazy things, mm-hmm. but I'm a pretty bad mind reader. So why don't I find out the full story first? And instead of being judgmental, practice good judgment. So maybe as Christians, we should talk of making war no more. When it's so easy to jump to conclusions, mm-hmm. and I think that's the real teaching opportunity here. So, uh, what, what do you guys have for as far as last reflections?
2: Well, we need to define ourselves by what we believe in, and not the secondary issues that divide us. Um, I think when we find points of contention and flaws and other people's leanings, we pick at those flaws until we lose all the empathy that we, once we had for, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, we've called each other brothers and sisters, but suddenly, you know, if we disagree with them, that person was never a Christian to begin with. And surely Jesus wouldn't want us to empathize with wolves and sheep's clothing. And, you know, we're no true Scotsman in the church to death. Um, and, um, When we disagree, we need to remind ourselves that the person we disagree with is not only a fellow image-bearing human being, which when we disagree with other people, especially online, it's really hard to remember that they're human (laughs) beings.
0: (laughs) How about that? Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear what Marissa said?
2: Yeah, but we also need to remember that we're both children of God, that there's this commonality that we are fellow disciples and we're family and we're brothers and sisters and we're all on this journey together, maybe at different parts, different points of the journey, but we all have a common purpose and a common companion on the journey and that we're one body. We can't, uh, just decide who we're going to disavow. You know, if I look at my fingernails and decide that I've outgrown the color that I've chosen, I'm not going to cut off my fingers. Um, but at the same time, if my hands do something that, uh, that is shameful, you know, i just think about the, um, the 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 coming to light of all the abuse that's been um, uh, uh, enacted in God's name, right. and um, all the uh, Southern Baptist leaders that once we put on pedestals who who are acting in egregious ways, there are hands too. So just as we can't disavow, or we don't want to be disavowed because of our own um, things that they might think that they don't agree with, so we're not true Christians. <laughs> I can't disavow them just because of what they've done either, that I have to work towards their thriving and their healing and their reconciliation too because they're my hands too. Man, that's hard. And their sins. Oh, it's so hard. So it's easy to say, well, my hands have done this also, so I have lamenting to do. I have work to do. I have reconciliation to do because of the things that my hands have done. But also I have to keep loving my hands, (laughs) and that's That's what's really, really hard.
0: Yeah, it it is. when um, When it's so easy to be judgmental, that's when we should pause just a bit. Yeah. Dave,
1: what you got? Misunderstandings are going to come. We're, we're all individual people. We we all act differently. We're not, we like you said, we're not mind readers. We we can't read each other's minds. But what do we do when those misunderstandings come? I, I think this passage is an invitation for us to stop, talk, start asking questions, and listen. When I was in sales, I, I can't remember how many times the my manager would say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Quit talking and listen, because your person, whoever you're with, will, will tell you exactly what they need, exactly what's going on. The truth is, so many times, if we just stop and listen, we're going to hear their hearts and hear what's really going on instead of being quick to judge. And it, it hearkens to James 1.19, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: So, so in, when I teach
0: this as a message, um, I'm going to give four examples of misunderstandings. Two will be specific to the church and things that, you know, have happened here from just personal experience, and two will be from a larger cultural context, things going on uh, in our larger global community. Uh, but as I looked at these examples, I go, you know what? I'm surprised we don't have more misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy. As fast as we move, as much information as we have flowing at us... Um, It's it's surprising to me that we understand one another as well as we do. Mm. But the next time something crosses your path and you go, I can't believe somebody would do that, stop and say, am I sure I know the whole story? And if you don't, find out for yourself. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There may be some misdeeds that have been done. But you need to make sure that you don't perpetrate the misdeeds of just of jumping to a conclusion, so a false conclusion. So that's all we got to say about that, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's go out and run some four miles. And y'all Sounds for good. The, Let's do it. Four. There's a wonderful hot it.
2: breeze. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing like running in a convection oven. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> we could haul some hay. We could hey. haul some hay. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no. All right. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, and may God grant you peace. Now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.